Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We will also be doing a review of the Lin-Manuel Miranda movie In the Heights. And here to join us is our uh, musical theater expert and actor himself and fellow podcaster, Sean Tormey. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Of course. Now we have some news that we're going to start off with. We have a couple trailers coming out this week. First, Masters of the Universe Revelation, which I have not seen the trailer for. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, the I... whole He-Man thing. They're making a new continuation of it on Netflix. Oh, He-Man Masters of the Universe. Okay. Yeah. I know what that is now, but I have no idea what this new movie is. Well, uh, is it a, a series? Movie? No, it's a series. Yeah, It's a series? So. See, I know nothing. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> You need to watch the trailer and get up to speed. Exactly. Because there's going to be, I guess, two parts. Because part one is what's coming out on July 23rd. Mm-hmm. Sean, did you see this trailer? Yeah, so I saw the trailer, but I I haven't watched the original. I I knew about it, like He-Man and Skeletor and that stuff. Um, I saw the trailer, though. It looks, looks pretty good. I would have to watch the original first because it's a continuation. But, I mean, it looked, looked really good. For, it does. The, the animation have. is beautiful for sure. And it also has Mark Hamill as Skeletor, which is incredible. Oh. Um, but also, yeah, I haven't seen the original 80s series a little before our time. So I'm not hyped on it. Don't know if I'll watch it. But from the trailer, it looks action-packed and beautifully animated. Well, that sounds delightful. I love animated shows. Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe not. I like Skeletor. <laughs> I love Skeletor. That's about it. I don't know nothing. I know I, nothing about He Man. I've never seen the original. I don't know anything. But I just know Skeletor. That's it. Dylan, we're in the same boat here. Yep. And we also have a new trailer because they did it because In the Heights was coming out. So Netflix mm-hmm. also released the trailer for Tick Tick Boom, which is Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, mm-hmm. and it's an adaptation of Jonathan Larson's play of the same name. It is starring Andrew Garfield comes out in fall on Netflix. Did I'm, y'all see this trailer? Yes. Yes. Yes, I did. Would you think? Would you think? I'm personally very excited for it because Jonathan Larson is really to like non theater, musical theater people, he's really only known for doing rent, because rent's like this big musical theater show that's done all the time and like every five years it gets a twenty five year celebration, twenty year celebration. Whereas Tick Tick Boom is like kind of about him it's like how um i don't know if you guys know this but um the show last five years the writer oh my god why am i blanking on his name anyways it's about like the writer and his life who like wrote a uh, composer wrote the music so it's kind of the same thing with this it's like i think about john larson's life and i just love andrew garfield i think he's gonna do great in the show uh, in the movie and i'm just excited to see what they do with it i never cause i never would have thought tick tick boom out of every musical Mm-hmm. would have been adapted first so i'm excited yeah it looks cool i like the way limo miranda is using sort of the environment to portray his the writer's state of mind through andrew garfield like when he's in the pool and he like moves his hands and like the the music lines show up i think that looks cool uh ryan your favorite is gonna be in it bradley whitford yo that's incredible he's, he's gonna play Stephen <laughs> sondheim i love that yes. man ah sondheim so that I'm excited for. I also love Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. and I also love Lin Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. I 
as for Jonathan Larson, all the musical theater kids are going to burn me at the stake, but I haven't seen Rent either in stage or the movie. Any that's, of it. So. that's honestly, I don't think, I think that's fair. Like it's a very popular show, but like, I wouldn't hold it against anyone to watch it because every try, every time they try and like readapt it, that's not on the stage. It hasn't always hit mm-hmm. the mark. Like there's the live show that was going to be good. And it's not their fault that someone got injured and they just did the, the, the rehearsal night, but it just wasn't, it didn't hit the mark. And then the movie, the movie, they did some weird things with it, but at least they brought back some original cast members. So it's not like bad, but it's also not fantastic. So honestly, Ryan, if you were going to watch it, I suggest you watch, there actually is a recorded Blu-ray of the final run performance of the original showing of Rent. Not the original cast members, but it's really good. I have it. So I would recommend mm-hmm. watching that if you're going to watch Rent. I think the musical theater kids would probably burn me to the stake because I don't really like Rent. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> seen it and hates it. I haven't seen it, but I've listened to most of it, and I am not the biggest fan. But perhaps, I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since I listened to it. So maybe I'll give it another shot, but it is not my so, favorite musical so based off listening to it, is it just like the music then or do you just are like tired of hearing it kind of thing like like it's kind of both. okay because it is overplayed a lot mm-hmm. especially in theater groups and I, a lot of people use it as songs to sing at like competitions and stuff yep just is like if you can sing rent whoa that's so impressive and it's like not anymore <laughs> I, I don't know i just hear it a lot and I wasn't the biggest fan of it to begin with, and it just got worse and worse the more I heard it. And so I'm just not the biggest Rent fan. That's incredible. And they would do that to you because, Dylan, you are maybe not necessarily a musical theater kid, but you were a theater kid. Yeah. I was behind the scenes. I was yeah. Discounts. I mean, you're also a writer. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. I wrote one play that was an adaptation of a movie that I had written that was not a very good play. I enjoyed it. Movie first, I thought it originated as the play, or at least um, as a movie idea. It was well, sure, it Which was a movie first. idea, and I think I started writing the movie, and then I realized I could write the play and submit it to competition, and so I adapted it into a play, and then severely cut it down, and then after that bombed at, at the districts or whatever, uh, I went back and reworked it back into a movie, and it's also not good. <laughs> it is. It is sad. <laughs> it is disappointing. You can rework it. You can you no. Know, take at least the, it was, hey, that's like it was practice. It was practice. It was it was experience. It was the first movie I'd written. It was it was worth a shot. You know, it was fun. I learned a lot, and now my writing is better for it. And that's all. That's all, you that's can all ask. I can ask for. I respect yeah. it. Well, I could ask for a good movie, but you know, <laughs> that, that's that's besides that. That's all I can ask for. But you gotta start somewhere. If it's not gonna be a good movie, at least it will be productive in the long yeah, run. Yeah, exactly. Make you a better writer. All right, we will now go into a yay or nay. Little You're really liking these, aren't you? Yeah, I You're think doing so. the yay or nays a lot. I listen to the new this one. This is the second time it's happened, Dylan. I don't know if you It's just we never do things more than once usually. Well, now we are, boy. We've done trailer right. talk. I mean, that's the segment. I guess you're right. That's been established. Go ahead. Um, give hit me mm-hmm. some yay or nays. But for Sean and for our listeners who don't know, this is a segment where I just throw out little bits of news that may not have too much discussion to it, but it's at least interesting to throw out there and see what the opinions are, which you can give via a yay or a nay. So, Aquaman 2, 
now has a title. It is called Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yay or nay? Yay. I'm going to go with yay. I like that. It's fun. It's, yeah, my- it's adventurous. I dig it. Yeah, I, I'd probably um, I give it a yay too. I the first Aquaman was was fun. I don't think it was supposed to be anything too special. Uh, no. James Wan did good, but I give it a yay. It's a just simple title that doesn't give too much away, but a good idea. So I give it a yay. True. true. Mm-hmm. As a bonus one for Aquaman, Amber Heard is gonna be coming back. Yay or nay? That's a nay. That's a nay. <laughs> it's a nay for me. Yeah. It's a nay for me. I don't know why that's happening. Also, will she have a British accent or an American one? That's a good know. question. <laughs> Makes no sense. But they should give her a new accent. Make her German or something. <laughs> they just give her a new accent every time. That'd be hilarious. She speaks uh, all the languages. We have Jurassic World Dominion. It is now going to feature feathered dinosaurs. Yay or nay? Yay. I'm pretty sure that's anatomically correct for dinosaurs. Yeah, Fairly since certain. they recently came out and were like, guys, we think dinosaurs were actually... Feathered, they're birds, not reptiles. And everyone else was like, "Oh snap!" Our... Well, it depends how it looks. I guess I haven't seen what it looks like. I guess there's a special look that can be seen in previews of the IMAX screenings of F9, which is a very specific category to be in. But <laughs> well, but it's I a universal it picture, so they got to cross promote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends how it looks. It depends how the CGI comes out. But overall, the idea is a yay for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Dylan on that. I think the idea of it's a yay, but for different reasons. I haven't seen the second one, so I don't care <laughs> as much about the feathered part. But I think it's a it's an interesting idea that makes sense like for the dinosaurs and stuff. So I'll give it a yay. But also, I like the fir- I do like the first one. The second one, I just I heard bad reviews, and I mm-hmm. what I forgot what came out at the same time, but I just wasn't in the mood to see it, so I didn't. I don't know if you both saw it, but. No, I didn't see it. Really? I did see it. I mean, it was okay. But Colin Trevorrow, who did the first one, is coming back for this third one. So cool, I guess. You may see an uptick in the I mean, he's not my favorite. But we'll see. We'll see what we do. Next, we have an anime, Lord of the Rings film, based on The War of Rohirrim. It is going to be directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who is known for Ghosts in the Shell movies and Eden of the East anime films. What do y'all think about that? A new Lord of the Rings property, but it's going to be an anime film? It's probably a yay for me. I like anime and I like Lord of the Rings, so why not combine the two? It's, it's, it'll give it a yay. I hate to seem like I'm copying Dylan here for the same reasons, but I'm going to give it a yay because I also like anime and Lord of the Rings. And All right. I'll, I'll give it credit that it's a film. If it was a series, I honestly probably would give it a nay because i just don't think we need that i don't think mm-hmm. anyone needs that but it's a <laughs> film and it's an original right you said it's an original idea right right well i mean it's based on something the like lore. it's a prequel film well, like it goes back to i don't know the ninth king of rohan or something like that i don't know so okay. sometime before the events we see in the hobbit and the lord mm-hmm. of the rings no, that's fine I, I still give it a yay I, I, i'll watch it i'm that sounds pretty pretty fun and interesting so yeah all right, all right. And now our last bit of news, the Black Widow tickets are now on pre-sale. It comes out on July 9th in theaters and on Disney Plus, I'm assuming for a premiere access of like 30 bucks. Yes, correct. Ryan's shaking his head. <laughs> so if you don't want to go to the theaters, you can pay 30 additional dollars on top of your Disney Plus subscription and watch it at home, which I think is stupid. 
So go to the theaters and watch <laughs> Black Widow, I guess. Please if go you to find the it. That's probably what I'll do. If you're safe. So. Um, but yeah, something about that is there's been reports that the pre-sale is on par for what Far From Home and Captain Marvel were putting up. Wow. Which is insane to think about. So that might be, some people are already throwing it out there. They're saying maybe the first $100 million opening of the pandemic era, mm. which would be insane because our biggest Good. opening so far has been 57 million, but that was a four day. So, did either of us pick? Monster. Did either of us pick Black Widow for our thing? I don't I think can did. We did not. I you were you on did. the verge of it because you said, you know, it'll get 500 mil, but then you said, nah, I'm going to go for a Suicide Squad. That's I did actually, pick Suicide Squad, didn't I? Uh, one of my favorite episodes of your podcast. I love that um, you're back and forth with the, with the drafts. And knowing hmm. you picked Black Widow, I'm like, good for you guys. Very glad you both didn't pick it. I didn't think it was going to. Sean, it would have been boring if most of mine ended up being MCU movies. That would have been so boring to do. I wanted to go crazy, so I went with DC instead. You know, <laughs> went wild. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. True, true, true. Sean, just uh, so we can settle this. I mean, we already did. But, Sean, do you think we should count Spider-Man and Matrix <laughs> 4 after 2021 ends? I mean, come on. You you got to see the full run. The total gross is what we're going for, not just. I was debating in my run. car with this too, and I was listening to your <laughs> podcast. I because Dylan Dylan's makes the most sense because it's the end of 2021, but they're just 2021 it, movies. It's but not if you're being happen. fair, you have to give it the full run, or else. But it just also makes sense because it's 2021's over. You know. Mm-hmm. It could go either way. I think we settled on just going to let it run, and then when they stop making money, we'll stop the count and declare the winner because they are 2021 movies. Stop the count. Stop, stop the, count. the count. It makes. I mean, it makes sense. Again, you're not going to say, "Oh, Avatar grossed what a hundred million because it only ran two weeks in 2009 or whenever it yeah, came out." Yeah, but my argument was that then anytime they re-release movies, you you have to reevaluate. Like, and again, let's I'm say not they saying, re-release say the Suicide Squad in out. ten years. Throw that out. I'm with you. No re-releases. I mean, obviously not. That's silly. Mm-hmm. So just let the full mm-hmm. first theatrical run when they're in theaters the first time. That's what will count. And then when it gets to, like you said, a certain point when it gets like sub one million dollars. We'll be like, okay, stop the count. Or maybe before then, if it's not going to end up mattering. If you, $2 million if, you, if you win this because of Spider-Man, I will never forgive you for this grave. <laughs> what the heck? It's what we... No, I agree. I do agree with that because I'm, I was also thinking when I heard this, I'm like, I don't even know if Ryan's going to need the extra month. Because Spider-Man is looking like the most anticipated movie of the year, I think, from what I see on social media. It's that and I think James Bond, I think, are the two. Did you have James Bond, Ryan? I did. I hate your I ass. Did yeah. I wanted James I stole Bond that so from bad, you. and you stole it, <laughs> fucker. Anyway, we've got our box office breakdown for the weekend of June 11th to the 13th. In the first place, which was a surprise to us, was A Quiet Place 2 with 12 million. This is the first pandemic era film to cross 100 million domestically. Now stands at 108 million domestically and has reached 200 million worldwide, which is very impressive. Good for you, John Krasinski. You've done it again. Good for him. <laughs> this was an eventful weekend and a very surprising one. Because if you remember last week, Dolan and I, we were high on the hype of In the Heights. We thought it would get more than $35 million. Estimates were putting it at $20 million. And this thing came in 
at 11.5 million. That is brutal. Brutal. Really, really sad for the musical theater community <laughs> in terms of cinematic remakes. How, how drastically sad. And Sean, they, how and has they, your people been coping? Didn't they green light a <laughs> wicked movie because they thought In the Heights was going to do so good? They like saw a well, kind of In the Heights and they were like, this is incredible. Let's make a wicked movie too. And now In the Heights has bombed. And Wicked's gonna bomb, and we're not gonna get musicals for ten years. <laughs> this will be—we're uh, gonna have an existence without any musicals in cinema because of In the Heights. Well, for, well, first thing about the Wicked thing, I can tell you're upset because we now know your favorite musical is Wicked. But mm-hmm. to go off of that, that was actually already greenlit before In the Heights. Okay. So you—you you, don't worry, you still have your chance. I think with. The hoping success of In the Heights, it would probably get pushed out more and like come out sooner. I don't think the, with what happened with In the Heights, which to me, I I was probably the most surprised person in the whole world at it mm-hmm. when I read that. Um, but Wicked, um, I think Wicked will be fine. I think musical theater movies will be fine because everyone I know that's not even musical theater that saw it loved it. I personally just think. The HBO Max thing is not helping it. And it's the fact that it's like that people don't know it. Like to to a common person that just goes to me like, oh, it's an original idea that's a musical. But if you know like the the background with it, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the it, it's the best musical of 2009. It won the award for best musical. Like it's, and it's a great story overall. I don't think people know about it that much. Whereas people who've seen like Quiet Place, they love the first movie. It's it's fantastic. And they love John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. They all know those people. And I'm not trying to throw shade at people like Anthony Ramos or um, Corey Hawkins, but a bit more known could help too. I just think the HBO, the HBO Max thing did not help it personally. You raise two very interesting points. The first thing is that HBO Max took away money. I disagree with you on there because we have seen movies like Godzilla vs. Kong and The Conjuring who have had HBO Max releases and have made buttloads of money, like insane amounts in theatrical mm-hmm. releases, which Very is true. incredible even during this pandemic time. And then you raise a second point that it has like a dedicated fan base to In the Heights and then not much around it, which is true. And that is exactly what the chief analyst of HBO Max said. He said, In the Heights, the reason In the <laughs> Heights bombed was not because of HBO Max, but because there is a dedicated fan base to In the Heights and that there is not much around that. It is that dedicated fan base and that dedicated fan base alone that, that gave sense. it the 11 million? So you are sense. correct there. There is not many people who are like, oh, finally, they're making the 2009 Tony Award winner into a movie. <laughs> finally, we can go see it. It's it, This is what I've been waiting for. It's those dedicated fans and those dedicated fans alone. And then a few people who just love movie musicals like Ryan and I. (laughs) That, I think, is the most accurate postmortem that we are going to get within the Heights. It's Mm -hmm. really unfortunate because, I mean, they've been pushing the marketing like crazy. I mean, I've been seeing that thing everywhere. Oh, my God. And again, it had that uplifting, upbeat appeal that you would think would get people Mm -hmm. going back into the theaters be a family event i don't know about y'all but for the theater i went to it was just old people and then me and my mom it, it was, was a lot a, of old people for me watching. it was a big theater and then two people sitting directly behind me that i didn't know and the rest of it was empty 
Wow. That's not that's... we had a good dozen plus in my theater. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple in there. mine. Yeah. Real sad. Anyway, after In the Heights, we have The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It with 10.4 million. That is a 57% drop from last weekend. I thought it was going to be third. I think you said it would be second, Ryan. Maybe if it was battle, because you thought it was going to battle a quiet place too. I said third. I think you said third too. Okay. Well, The Conjuring, we didn't really think it would do very good. I think we both thought it would make less than 10 million. So I guess it outperformed us. But hey, congrats to The Conjuring, I guess. It's not. Doesn't seem like they're gonna make more of these. I think this oh. is really. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. I think they're gonna make more. First this of seems all, to be like the tail end of their financial performance. As an amendment yeah. to what I just said before, I did not say it would be third. We both put it at fourth because um, we thought Peter Rabbit would be second. Oh, you're right. That's behind in the heights. So that's even crazier that Peter Rabbit is in fourth place. Um, yeah, get fucked, by James. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the conjuring, the franchise actually just crossed, I think 2 billion worldwide total across all the films. So they so, could very easily make more. Okay. All right. I they really will. shouldn't, but they will. <laughs> I mean, money I, it talks. just got That's a lot of money domestically, like 44 million total for this third one. And again, it's on HBO max. People don't need to go to the theaters to see it. Mm-hmm. And yet more people went and saw this than they did Peter rabbit too. So I think that honestly bodes well for it in its mm-hmm. future and they probably will make more at least in the franchise i don't know if we'll continue with the mainline the conjuring but they'll do things like the annabelle or the yeah, no like they'll own continue own. with the conjuring universe for sure i don't want them to <laughs> yeah me neither after the conjuring is peter rabbit to the runaway with 10.1 million uh underperformed i guess it sucks james corden kind of had it coming this is what he gets. You would think James Corden like slapped Dylan's mother or something. <laughs> with all I this really don't like him. Vitriol. Yeah. Oh, you should have heard our friends reunion one, man. We, uh, I just bashed on him. Just such a. I heard it. He did, he, did, he did one cool thing that I've seen, and that's he did a magic trick with David Blaine where he actually got into a tank of water with David Blaine to do a guard trick with him and like, like sat underwater for a long period of time with him. That's the only cool thing that James Corden has ever done. Everything else is shit. Everything else is shit. And in fifth place, we had Cruella with 6.7 million. That's a 38% drop from last weekend, which is pretty impressive because it got dropped from a bunch of theaters this week, mm-hmm. like 600 of them. Oh my God. So a really good hold for them. It has now achieved 56 million domestically, which has passed Raya and the Last Dragons domestic gross. So what is Cruella. What week is this for Cruella? Like five or six? This is, I believe, well, because it'd be the same as A Quiet Place. So this is third, isn't it? Why did it drop no, 600 theaters? It still seems like pretty early for theaters to drop it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it may have been the Cinemark thing because Disney and them have been beefing. Oh, so I think okay. they oh. dropped that explains it. That. Again, that was the whole deal mm-hmm. with Ryan the Last Dragon. Why I had so good of a hold in the like sixth, seventh, eighth weekend is because Sen Mark said, okay, we'll let you play these, uh, play the movie on our screens. So I think the reverse happened this time. And now Sen Mark said, okay, Cruella, you had two weeks. Goodbye. All right. And after Cruella, the last on our list is Spirit Untamed with two and a half million. Not bad, I guess. 
Well, because what is this gross? I guess it's done good for a sequel to a movie that came out 15 years ago. Yeah, Spirit Untamed. I mean, what did it get last week? Like six million, eight million. Yeah, and this I is mean, the second weekend, so it's got a long way to go before it becomes impressive, which I don't yeah. think it ever will. That's fun. Now we have some box office predictions. The the biggest thing coming out this weekend is the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard with Ryan Reynolds, Samuel Jackson, uh, Salma Hayek, and there was someone else that I saw when I walked out of In the Heights. They had that big cardboard thing in the theater with Ryan Reynolds' face on it, and there was another mm-hmm. famous person there. I gotta look it up. Oh, Morgan Freeman, and uh, it is Morgan Freeman. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. You forgot. Morgan. I did forget Morgan Freeman. I'll never, I'll never forget. I saw an ad for it today. It's like, and see Morgan Freeman like you've never seen him before. And he's not even in the trailer. Didn't make any sense to me. Oh, all right. He's in the movie, a, though. So. It's a weird advertising. What if he's not? It is. <laughs> <laughs> see him like you've never seen him before. You just don't see you him. don't see him. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> uh, so what would you guys say the hitman's wife's bodyguard is going to get? Because it comes out on a Wednesday. That's odd. Which is very strange. That's so I don't know how exactly we're gonna calculate the weekend gross. But hmm. at the end of Sunday, how much money do you think it will have grossed? Well with the three days plus the two, I mean if it was just releasing on a weekend, I'd give it like fourteen, fifteen million. But yeah. because you have those two extra days, I'll say seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, probably like if anything, it might just reach twenty. I wouldn't mm-hmm. go any higher than 20. It's nothing. Yeah. The first one was, was fun. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know why there's a following. Cash grab, if anything, but even then. So I'd say, if anything, it reaches 20, but not not past that. Yeah. I mean, it's got the following for the actors because they just are diehard fans of people like Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. And they'll go just for that alone because they know it'll be at least a decent product that will have them laugh a couple times and has good action. And that's what they want, I guess. So I think enough people will see it to hit 17, 18, maybe even 20 million. What about you, Ryan? Thoughts? I think you're spot on, Dylan. I was trying to think of, because again, this is big name action stars. People do Mm -hmm. love Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. And I was thinking of the action ones that we've had, Nobody and Wrath of Man, did Mm -hmm. slightly better than our predictions. And those, again, relatively, I mean, they're not an established franchise. They're just a random, your average action movie. Mm-hmm. So this one, with the star power attached, it's a recognizable property at least. I would say somewhere around 15, 16 million. Yeah. But hopefully it does meet expectations instead of like in the heights dropping way below it. Because yeah. the box office is getting healthier, but we want to keep that momentum. So hopefully this one will do well. We'll get some good headlines. More people will go and see it, hopefully. Yeah. Now, a lot of the streaming services are coming out with things to watch coming out soon. (laughs) Disney Plus has Luca coming out June 18th. Is that going to be Premiere Access? Because Soul wasn't. Nope. It is straight to Disney Plus. They did something right. All right. We can watch Luca on the 18th without going to the theaters if you're too afraid to go and you don't have to pay anything extra. On Hulu, we have Love, Victor. The second season has already come out. That's springing from the film Love, Simon, a ways back. So it's Pride Month that features LGBTQ plus characters and stories. So go check that out on Hulu. On Netflix, Fatherhood is coming out on June 18th. That is a dramedy starring Kevin Hart. Maybe. 
maybe it maybe looked check it out. honestly compared to because it's not Tolerable. one of those straight comedies that kevin hart is doing Tolerable. yeah it looked, it looked dramatic enough to be the performance that finally gets him his oscar <laughs> <laughs> it's about time kevin hart yeah we've been waiting to see all that beautiful deep emotional acting we know he can pull off mm-hmm. so that'll be i guess a nice father's day thing to watch on netflix on paramount plus we have i carly the revival finally comes out where they're drinking and stuff it's crazy no it's an adult series okay that very crazy oh, yeah. now it's paramount plus do any of you have that I do yet not. paramount no. plus no i haven't seen anything i've wanted to watch on it personally yeah isn't that where spongebob is now yes i remember doing research on it uh that's where spongebob and most other like nickelodeon like old shows are and i think some old just older cartoons as well but i know spongebob's on there i don't know the full show is but i know a good portion of spongebob is well spongebob spongebob's on prime too so yeah if you don't want to get because the only thing pulling me to paramount plus right now is spongebob but that's on prime so (laughs) get fuck off paramount Paramount plus We have Prime. There's nothing. I don't know why you put Prime. There's nothing coming out. Go go rewatch Invincible. I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's another. Go watch the boys. Go watch Marvelous Miss Maisel. There's all kinds of good stuff on Prime. Go watch SpongeBob. <laughs> do go do you? I guess. Yep. And then on HBO Max, do not go see In the Heights on that. Go see it in theaters because it needs it desperately. Yeah. Or as Dylan said, there will never be another movie musical. For the next decade. <laughs> we're, we're getting like two this year, so I think we'll be okay. Yeah, this is it. They said you're cut off from now on. Yeah, we get this one, get West Side Story in December, and that's it. Oh, uh, but that doesn't look good. I mean, their I mean, starring funny. actor is what have you seen stuff. So. That makes that's it not true. look good. Uh, well, I saw the trailer, and, and that didn't look good, so yeah, I suppose it doesn't look good, right? I don't see how the. I, mean, just has the I don't think they expect. gave too much. Just gave I think they gave enough yet for me to make a comment on it looks good. I'm already speculating because of the leading actor and all that stuff, but uh, that's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's in, not the yeah, it's yeah. in the heights. <laughs> now, in the heights is adapted from a musical composed by Lin Manuel Miranda and written by Kira Alugi. Oh, I butchered that. <laughs> God damn! You can tell we're way here. I know, right? Uh, I'm not gonna try again. Kiara Alegria. Thank you. Sean did it. He's a better man than I. Bro, you take Spanish in high school, bro? I no, didn't. I took French. Well, I, I took French Sean. with you, right? No, you I mean, I did, did but I haven't had Spanish in a long time. So I just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is directed by John M. Chu of Crazy Rich Asians fame and some other movies before that that were mm-hmm. not as well <laughs> some, liked. Some weird movies, man. <laughs> Uh, and it is starring Anthony Ramos as Usnavi, Melissa mm-hmm. Barrera as Vanessa, Leslie Grace as Nina, Corey Hawkins as Benny, Jimmy Smits. Jimmy Smits. Who I love. We love Jimmy Smits. As Kevin Rosario. Olga, Olga Merides? Merides? Yeah. She yeah. was in the original one, wasn't she? She was like the one really? actor who yeah. was in the Broadway musical. I now can tell you right film. now. Oh, he's pulling out the original playbill. He's pulling out the playbill. Now, look at that. See, this is why we needed to have him on. Yeah. expert. Yes, she was. Oh, she was? Look at that. Yeah, she was the original original Abuela. In the musical and now in the film. 
wonderful woman. Gregory Diaz the fourth as Sonny. And he some was good. other people in there. But yeah, that is the cast. And so let's just start talking about it. What is your initial thoughts? What's your logline review? Sean, I'll go to you. you want, oh, okay, I'll go first. Um, well, um, as everyone knows now, I, I'm very passionate about musical theater. When it came to musical movies, I'm going to be honest, they don't really hit the marks with those. They like to exaggerate them sometimes, I guess, for like that movie effect. A great example would be Into the Woods or The Prom. That did not hit very well. Oh, That's a it. discussion for a different day. I'm glad Dylan agrees. But I think In the Heights... I think it did what it what it was supposed to do, which is tell the story that I was originally done. Sure, there were some like things that made a bit more movie like, like in the song "When the Sun Rises," I believe that was a term. Like whether dancing on the side of the building, mm-hmm. I thought that was nice. I don't think that was pushing it too much. But besides that, like everything else was, I thought it was a uh, really good um, rendition of it for for a movie too. I mm-hmm. was very happy with it. Um, there's probably a lot more to say about it, but I, I want you both to obviously put your input too. So so I thought it was good, but I'm very peculiar, very, very specific when it comes to what I like in movie musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were times where this did not hit the mark for me. Any time where they weren't singing was not very good. It felt like they've put a lot of attention to the musical numbers and the visuals that they just sort of dropped the ball when there wasn't a musical number happening. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe maybe like the dinner scene where they're all getting together and, and Mr. Rosario has that fight with Nina. Like maybe that, a little more attention was put into that because it was a more dramatic scene. But everything else just felt a little awkward. The actors felt a little awkward. It wasn't as natural as I'd like it to be. It wasn't as like loose. And then the only other real complaint I have is, I mean... It was not as colorful as I was hoping it would be. I was hoping there would be yeah. a lot more colors. It was like there were like scenes like like in the nightclub scene, there's like that bright orange hue that's taking over the whole thing the entire time. And that's super cool. And then there's like the Abuela song. I forget what it is when the, the whole thing is colorful when they're lining up at the end and the tunnel is just like electrifying with neon lights. It's awesome. But then you look at like the pool musical sequence. And it just looks like it's overcast. And it's supposed to be like a really, really hot day. And that's why they're going to the pool. And I do not feel the heat. Like I can see them fanning themselves and acting like it's hot. But it looks like it's overcast. Mm -hmm. Which is not what I think of when I think of a hot day. I think of like sun beating down, like do the right thing, sort of orange hue. Sort of like people sweating and you can see the sweat all over their skin and on their clothes and stuff. And I just wasn't getting that feeling. So there's a lot of times where like the color correction of it just sort of dropped the ball. And I was based on the promotional material, I was expecting super bright colors, super bright and vibrant colors, at least every time there was a musical number. And I think they tried to go with like, let's make it more reality wise. Let's make it actually look like New York kind of thing instead of taking the approach of like, this is a movie. Let's make it a movie. Let's Mm -hmm. go a little surrealism with it and let's invest time in like, using symbolism in the colors to really stand out from other movies and really make it shine, which is not my favorite uh, thing that they did. Ryan, your one line take. 
<laughs> well, I think that was, <laughs> that was far beyond what my take on. I think it is a flawed, fun time. All a right. lot of those things you guys were talking about, I agree, and we can expand on it mm-hmm. a little bit here, but I think we can all agree. I mean, when the big ensemble pieces are going, the music is surrounding you in the theater, mm-hmm. and they do have in some of those big set pieces the nice colors popping up and the choreography, all that stuff going on. It is such an amazing time. Mm. It's so fun. Yeah. It makes me want to dance. It makes me want to get up there and join <laughs> them. So yes. in that sense, I really enjoyed it. I also think a lot of the core story where they, I mean, a lot of the big themes, of course, talking about community and heritage dreams, and then dreams. So a lot of that stuff I was enjoying. I thought each of the characters, well, most of them, like Navi and Nina, how they have those clearly defined dreams and you're seeing how that's relating to their place in the community where one Nina has already sort of left the community and she's been essentially chosen as the one to be the one who makes it out and represent mm-hmm. their community out in the world. I mean, you see how she's sort of faltering under that pressure mm-hmm. and also the loneliness of not being in the community anymore. Yeah. And then we see Navi who's trying to go back to his home, Dominican Republic, start up his dad's old bar there. Uh, and he's sort of not necessarily clued into how important he is in the community and how important it really is to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those particular stories as the bedrock of this film, I really, really enjoyed. Um, and then Vanessa also sort of had her clearly defined dream of leaving the neighborhood to be a big downtown fashion designer. Yeah. And we see Sonny as well had sort of a little dream. He wanted to go to college and sort of be an activist, all that sort of stuff. So those character uh, relationships and the key elements of what they're trying to do, what dreams they're chasing, I thought that was all really, really good. And then also the like plotline of the salon hairdressers leading yeah, mm-hmm. them being essentially priced out of the neighborhood. So we're getting those themes of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, it's a community that's sort of losing bits and pieces of itself over time. Mm-hmm. And how do they stay together? How do they deal with that? There was a lot of depth to the story that I genuinely appreciated beyond just all the amazing um, dance numbers that they had and the incredible music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, we knew that'd be a given. So it was, a fun time. I really enjoyed it. And I do think the theater experience enhances it. I mean, being in there with, again, all that music flooding you and seeing on the big screen how it's meant to be seen. I mean, all the big meticulous choreography that they did, all the dance numbers. I mean, it really makes it feel larger than life when you're watching on that big screen. And so I think it conveys those elements of the story, the musical, fantastical moments that you want to see really, I think, delivered. Um, But just to dig in a little bit more Mm -hmm. to the songs, it's a musical. What were your guys' favorite songs or dance numbers, any of that stuff? Hmm. So this is, this is, this is, this is difficult for me for one reason, because I obviously know like the original Broadway Mm -hmm. track and my favorite song in that one is Blackout. I love Blackout, how it sounds. I like 
um, and how it's done in the movie, it felt like a miss to me, which upsets me because that's like my favorite number. That's the that's the act one closer mm-hmm. in the show, and I felt like they did something in the music in the in the movie that was different in the musical, mm-hmm. which was pretty interesting. Where right after blackout is when uh, is this spoiler? Yeah, okay, <laughs> it's a spoiler. Uh, Abuela dies. Abuela. Mm-hmm. Um, they they move the song that she has after it to make that moment a thing. And in the musical Blackout, another spoiler, sorry. Um, she gives the lottery ticket money to Usnabi in the musical in Blackout, not the very end of the movie. So it's very different. But just talking about the song. Um, Blackout kind of missed for me. They changed some wording, they changed some lyrics, and they changed some parts. But for songs I did like, the opening was great. The opening, I think, they did great mm-hmm. with how they shot it, too. Um, I don't think 96,000 sounded bad. It's another one of my favorites. But like Dylan said, the, the pool scene was really weird. That's also not in the musical. They don't go to a pool. No. But, but you know. Um, so I'd say the opener, most solos I thought were good. Like Vanessa's and Nina's. Whatever Nina sang, I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember her song. I know when the sunrise, if that's a duet. Um, but yeah, I guess like most solos and then like the opener was very, very good. In my there was a weird moment where Vanessa is singing her solo song and it's like the fabric is coming down from the buildings. And she gets to the moment where she, where she, well, yeah, the fabric did not look very good, but there it gets to a moment where she starts running and she's hitting that high note, but it is a recorded, like they're doing the recording and they're playing that over what she's doing in the movie. That's how they edit it. And she is just screaming her head off and the note isn't quite there. So she's clearly screaming louder than how she is perceived to be singing. And that just kind of threw me off in that moment. It's a little nitpicky, but it just seemed very strange in terms of songs that i liked does blackout include the nightclub part or is it just the part where it's a black so the part where they're like singing slash rapping in the club is a separate song that's just called the club that's okay. more that's more dedicated to a dance number but like there is mm-hmm. some rapping and some music in it right yeah. when the like the power goes out that's what blackout that's blackout okay yeah because when i watched the movie and you saying that that's your favorite song that surprised me because it did not stand out to me as a song where I thought, this is great, this is incredible. I watched the movie, and I'm like, this is, seems kind of like one of those filler songs where it's between two big numbers, and they're just kind of like filling in time. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like, I got to go back and listen to the actual original recording because it seems weird that that would be your favorite, but I guess if it's recorded better, that makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. I, they probably just botched it. But I really like the nightclub scene, everything about that, the dancing I thought was fantastic. I thought the the hue, the cut, the actual saturation of it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed the part where they're dancing on the side of the building. I thought that was original and fresh. I just thought it was weird a little bit how they did it, especially when he steps on the window and you have that, the stupid yeah. shot of the kid just making a stupid <laughs> face. Just <laughs> unnecessary and just takes away from the romance of the scene for no reason. Yeah. Um, I liked what else did I like? I liked the hairdresser song. No Mediga. Yeah. Or, t- or I, tell me something. I don't know. Whatever. I don't is. really like when the heads are moving in that song. Like that the, was the just hairdresser creepy. heads, because it's creepy looking and weird, and it's not my favorite thing to do. Because if you're gonna try and make it, you know, like this is New York realism, you know, like we're gonna 
color correct it to be realist we're gonna shoot it to look like it's actually new york and then you do crazy weird things like that it's like you should keep it consistent at least relatively throughout the movie because there are moments of like surrealism where they'll draw things on the screen or there'll be fabric coming in or they'll do weird things like that but it just stands out as odd a little bit just because the rest of the movie does not feel like it like coincides and connects well with those parts the I will say the dancing on the side of the building does coincide with it just because it's like it's very smooth how they lead into that and how they lead out of it. And so it's it's not like a, a shock that is happening. It's not like strange and like jarring. It very much is smooth how they get into it and get out of it, which I really like. Um, I'm trying to remember other songs that I liked. Those are probably the main ones. I did like the opening number. I thought it was fun. It's a good way to introduce all the characters very easily. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Um, that's about it. Ryan, what were your favorite songs? I actually have a question for doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were talking about how you like certain shots. I I wanted to hear your opinion on. It's the same song Vanessa sang. Um, with like the curtains. Uh, it's yes. what is it? I have it right here. Oh, um, it won't be long now. Did mm. you? What's your opinion on the shot? Like at the very end, where it's like her going down the street, mm-hmm. and then it like zooms out into her eye, and then you know, you know what scene I'm talking? Um. Like she runs out of the the parlor or like the hair parlor. She was running ahead and then she stops to sing that last note and it zooms into her eye and then she's back in the parlor like it was like a dream that she wanted to like run away and then she finishes the song. I just didn't know how you felt about that shot. I, it was it was a surprise to me. I'm like that was weird. But I'm like it's not bad. That is odd. I don't really remember that shot. The shot I remember the most from that song is her screaming and then also there's a weird moment where she's walking down the street. And then she turns around. It's supposed to be all the people who are like looking up to her, but they're standing there in a really weird way and just staring at her. And it's kind of creepy. That and in the Abuela song, when she's riding on the subway in the very, very beginning of that song, and it like screeches and cuts to like, uh, it's supposed to be, what is it, Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic, wherever she's from. Cuba. And Cuba. It's Cuba, Cuba, you're right. And so it like supposed to like cut to like Cuba a little bit. But it's kind of a creepy way to cut to it. Like the lights like hurt, hit really hard. And I'm like, that's kind of scary and unnecessary because that's not the tone of the song, at least in the, not at that moment. She's like just mm-hmm. remembering her past and it's a weird way to cut. But I guess that's just a creative choice, I guess. Just odd. Yeah. Just very weird thing to choose to do in that moment. It could have been a much softer wipe across like a black screen over like an object. Or it could have just been like a fade out of the light, fade in. You didn't have to screech it like that. It was very strange. But I love in that song, I just remember, that is probably my favorite song that was done in the movie because I love the set pieces in Abuela's song. But when she's holding oh. the, the beam of light that's supposed to be the pole and then it cuts mm-hmm. to her holding the pole, that is great. That is good editing. That is brilliant. I love that. That was really well done. That is uh, Parencia y Fe. That is her song. Yes. Just for, just for context. And yes, then, of course, I guess, <laughs> Ryan, go ahead. Sorry to yeah. no, put a question there. No, you're fine. Yeah, the... Paciencia Ite, that song was definitely a standout because it fully leaned into the surrealist aspect. Mm-hmm. And I love that. They really, if the, all the music numbers had been like that and have been that quality, this would have been a great movie, but they dropped the ball on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, Blackout. <laughs> yeah, now I want to know what the original Blackout sounded like. I know, right? It was that. It's so good. Well, it also, is... they, sh- they shortened it. Because like, uh, they 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 like kind of merged it with Abuela song because like I said she's di- she like she dies in the movie mm-hmm. like at that part so they they sort they shorten it a bit and 
they change the they say they change some lyrics they change who sings a certain part and just like the harmonies and just the like the experience that they go through another thing that's different in the movie i guess that makes me not like blackout as much is the blackout in the movie gets resolved earlier than it's supposed to because in the musical mm-hmm. the blackout's never resolved they're still in a blackout throughout the rest of the show even when it's done the the, the oh. power never comes back on but that's like for a stage play so i guess for like a movie it makes sense because there's like a time jump at the end so right yeah, that makes i sense. think so the framing device of having Usnavi on the beach and he's talking to little kids i imagine that also was not in the play that was completely out of the movie yeah that i think i mean i don't know the original but i feel like that is a good change mm-hmm. just because of how it relates to again the core of his character and his story the arc he's going through and it's a nice little surprise since i guess you're supposed to be guessing questioning throughout does he actually end up leaving or is he just on vacation in the beach or what is going on with that so that framing device that change i think was good as for the when the blackout ended again i don't know how exactly it was handled like stretching out the blackout in the play but the way that they ended it in the movie in the song carnival del barrio yeah that i thought was fantastic that's my favorite where they're all getting together they're the salon ladies are about to leave they're like, ain't none of y'all saying goodbye to me, really, after all these years, because everyone's all tired from the heat. And so then they just start a whole musical number celebrating them leaving. Again, it's talking about essentially the block is disappearing, right? But they're still going to celebrate these final moments that they have. Mm-hmm. I like the way it ties in with Sonny and Vanessa's characters. They're really down right now and they have reason to be, but then everyone else is saying, I mean, yeah, that still sucks, but let's celebrate these last few moments that we may have together as a full community. Mm-hmm. And then they just celebrate. And that was a really upbeat song. Really enjoyed it. The dance numbers on that was also incredible. So that one I enjoyed. The opening number I really enjoyed. And then half of the 96,000 song, as it progressed, I liked it less and less because as you talked so about upsetting. the pool, it was, did you like the the bars there, Sean, the accidental hey. rhyme, put me in your next movie, Lin-Manuel. <laughs> I got you. Um, but when it started with them walking down the street, talking about what they do, if they win the lottery money. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And then they added that fantastical element of drawing on the screen, having the like artistry stuff come in. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that part. As we got to the actual pool for the reasons you were saying, it didn't really look hot. <laughs> the overcast was definitely an issue. There was also yeah. a scene where Anthony Ramos was very clearly on a soundstage doing green screen. Like you could just tell the lighting really? on him versus everyone else was so different. And it took me out of the movie. I must have missed it. I, and I also too. felt it was just muddled towards the end, like the actual music okay. itself. Like, I guess it's supposed to be one of those moments where all the different songs are coming together, the different motifs mm-hmm. overlaying each other. Didn't think it worked. I thought it was just, again, too muddled. Couldn't really hear any of the individual pieces and then none of them were working together. So I was like, what are we doing here? So that part I didn't like. The choreography in the pool, I also, it was a lot of splashing. Yeah, it was. I'm sure it took a lot of time to coordinate and all that, but it wasn't as eye-popping as other things. 
So really that song started off strong. And then as it progressed, again, it was just not not keeping me engaged. What would have but, made that better with the splashing is if instead of doing an overhead kind of shot at them splashing, where you're just seeing water thrown up in the air, if they had gone down and gotten a little closer, and also if they had, like, when they did the color correction, if they had made the, the water a little bit more saturated and a little bit more blue, it would have stood out more as opposed to, like, the color of the people's skin. It would have been a bright blue, and you would have been up close, and the splashes would have been more significant and more intense rather than just a big wide overhead shot of them splashing which looks cool but it just doesn't have the effect of like a large group of people dancing like the water it just it covers up their dancing like it gets in the way of us seeing them actually dance so i don't think they got the effect that they wanted to with that yeah as for the least favorite songs you already touched on it sean with blackout the way that they changed that they did it dirty are there any other songs that you were just not Um, sold on throughout the film again there's just weird things in 96 96,000 is one of the staple songs of in the heights like if you're a musical theater fan the songs you know are like the opener and 96,000 they're like the, they're like the two biggest ones so 96,000 mm-hmm. is supposed to be like the bop of the show like because benny usnavi and vanessa all have their own line they come together and it's awesome how women well like wrote that like it's all together and they're all like one's rapping one's singing one's belting her voice out then the whole chorus comes in. There's a part. This is this is the, my least favorite part of the whole number. Is where they get it. There's a part where they're all singing. They get quiet, like they're like whispering it almost. And then they all burst out and they're like singing ninety-six thousand. Yeah, they they put the camera underwater and people are like doing weird things in the water while they're like singing it, like whispering, mm-hmm. like what the heck? Like I know you're trying to do something different with the pool, but what is this shot? And then it cuts to all of them singing the song which i don't think it sounded bad but watching them all splashing like dylan said was just mm. distracting so 96 i guess half of 96,000 was pretty i guess i'll say annoying because i just i love that song so much um nothing else really upset me about like the movie uh there's some weird notes like pitches like dylan mm. said yeah that he caught and i didn't so that was that's that's awesome there well, it's just um, weird how they it's just weird how they sync up because it's recorded in the studio and then they record the video of them singing it and then they place the recording in the studio over the video which is standard for a lot and a lot and a lot of movie musicals like only a few of them actually record them singing on stage like late miserable did that and that's why people were like Les and and the way that they like synced up some of the i almost said synced up the way they synced up some mm-hmm. of the the recordings to the videos in in the heights was not always perfect the the rapping for the most part was good but when it came to like hitting the high notes just the way that they i guess it's mostly vanessa maybe it's just the actress's performance but it just did not look like she was hitting the note that was actually being performed like it seemed like it was either going too high or too low just comparing what I'm seeing with what I'm hearing, it just didn't match up perfectly. Sometimes. I guess what also comes to least favorite, like you said, Ryan, something to do with, I don't know if it's every movie musical. I won't make that statement. But in this one, they took out some songs. Like uh, the the Mr. Rosario, he has a song about how he's, he, how he's upset about, um, like when it's a, it takes place at the part where he finds out um, Nina dropped out or like isn't going to mm-hmm. go back. And he has a whole song. He's like, I don't want to be the failure of the family. I'm going to be the reason we succeed. And that's when he sells his uh, business to um, the person. So like that song's missing. 
But like that's like the one song I kind of wish was in the show, the movie, because I really like Mr. Rosario as a character. Mm-hmm. But besides that, there's some other songs I took out that I just think weren't needed, and I'm kind of not glad I took them out because it makes sense for the stage for stage production. But in a movie where you have like a time limit and you want to tell a story, mm-hmm. you don't need it. So I guess there's not really like least favorites. I just have disappointments with ones that I like a lot, and then I just have ones that I like a lot. I guess is my final verdict on that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, now moving into favorite moments. Don't have to exactly be tied to songs, but they can be. But I wanted to throw out the dinner scene in particular, which has no songs around it, but I thought it was one of the absolute highlights of the movie because there's there with Abuela, she's singing along to the record, and then the scratch comes through and we see, and that's her favorite part. I thought that was such a cute moment. And it's all, it's the little community, the chosen family that they formed all hanging out together dancing a bit and they're eating telling stories Mm. that i was fully gripped by that entire scene i loved it and then i also loved the way that they had the fallout where nina reveals that she's not going and you get to hear more of her story and then you also see rosario pushing up against that because i mean his dream at this point now is to have her end up doing better than he ever did. So mm-hmm. he wants her to take that opportunity, even at any cost, if it means he has to sell the business for her to go back to school and uh, reach her full potential. So I really, really enjoyed that moment. The whole dinner scene was, I think, incredible for the way it showed the bonding beforehand mm-hmm. and then the conflict towards the end of it. I also loved Sunny asking Vanessa out on Usnavi's behalf. I that's think that was a fun little That's a good scene. scene. Yeah. That's one of the few times when they're not singing where I'm like, this is good. This is done well. Yeah. I'm enjoyed. I'm engaging. I wanted to say something about that too, Dylan. I was going to ask mm-hmm. you back when we first talked about it. But when you said you had a problem when they were just like acting normally with their dialogue mm-hmm. and there was like no song, um, I just, because I'm curious, my musical theater brain was curious. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what are the differences in the stage production the thing? And I looked at some stuff. Apparently, they had a almost a whole new script for the movie compared to the stage play. There's oh. less than 10 lines uh, from the original production, like on stage that was rewritten. And Sonny's line, the one you just said, Ryan, for Vanessa is one mm-hmm. of the original lines. That that line was not changed. Wow. Really? <laughs> Maybe they just shouldn't have changed any of them. Hmm, who would have thought? <laughs> That's crazy. It's almost as if the original writers who made a Tony award-winning play we're good at their job. I mean, what is the odds? That's true. I also think, though, the same writers rewrote this one. Like, I'm pretty well, sure shit. that Kiara, <laughs> like, she adapted her own thing. Um, but that's really interesting. Because, yeah, that was definitely uh, one of the highlights of the non-musical aspects. Mm-hmm. Was that little exchange there. Yeah. yeah. I also enjoyed, I imagine this was in addition to the film, not in the original play, but the Sonny and Nina at the demonstration when... We mm-hmm. hear the speaker talking about mm-hmm. some immigrant, undocumented immigrant, wasn't able to get into college. And then we get to hear more. I mean, we already had the seed planted from the random cameo from Mark Anthony talking to his Navi, um, mm-hmm. who was Sonny's father. But yeah, now we get the confirmation that Sonny is, in fact, undocumented. So mm-hmm. that I thought it's- was really interesting, the way that connected with Nina's arc and that's sort of the final push her to go back to school because yeah. she knows people like Sonny number one don't have that opportunity so 
if she does, she can make the most of it. But then she can also, through making the most of that opportunity, find the pathways for people like Sunny to also follow in her footsteps and get to go to college and do what they want to do. So I okay. really, really enjoyed that moment and the way it connected those arcs. Uh-huh. Sean, let me ask you, is Sunny's father in the original play? No. I didn't think so. Okay. Mark Anthony was added to play the father. Uh, yeah. There's no there's no scene in the play, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure from what I remember, where Usnavi is talking about, with his father, let me take him to the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. Because I thought that scene was a little strange, and I also thought it was placed oddly in the movie. Like, I get that mm-hmm. they probably want to do that before the blackout, but there's just so much story that happens between that point and all the way to when we find out that Sonny is undocumented. Like, there's so much story that happens that I just forgot. Like, I just forgot I that that was, I that was like a good. plot point. And when you're juggling, when you're juggling plot points, I feel like it's more intricate to keep, you know, you have your primary plot point, and you have several different secondary ones, and if you're weaving between them, it's probably best to wrap certain ones up, maybe not wrap up, but like at least tie them in occasionally so that we don't forget. And I felt like of all the plot lines, I kept track of most of them, but Sonny's was the one that sort of escaped my memory or my mind at certain points because I'm so focused on the other ones. I keep going back and forth, keep seeing stuff with Uznavi, keep seeing stuff with Nina, keep seeing stuff with uh, Benny and all kinds of other people and Mr. Rosario. And then Sonny's just there having fun and just being his normal character from the first half of the movie. And then we get to the second half of the movie where he has that dramatic turn at the protest. And I, first off, I have no idea how that plays out in the play because obviously that protest doesn't happen in the play. So I don't know how they developed that storyline or if they did it differently or if they incorporated it better. But I felt like it could have been done better. I felt like it could have been done stronger to keep my memory afloat with it. And I felt like it could have been, it just felt like they had this political issue that they wanted to address. And they just sort of skirted right by it, dipped a little bit into it, addressed it, gave a solution to Sonny, and then dipped right out because there's other plot points to address that aren't specifically tied into that political theme, which is a little, it's kind of like name dropping, but for a political issue, you know, it just feels like throwing out a problem in the community because you're making a movie about the community, but not specifically about that problem. And I felt like either you address it more or you address it less. Like it was a weird amount of addressing. I would have to push back against everything you said there. I strongly disagree. I think both the way that I would maybe say the exact placement of the Mark Anthony scene, I can maybe agree with that. Mm -hmm. But I think, like you said, there's already so many plot threads going on. Dedicating too much to Sunny would pad out the runtime and dilute focus even more. Yeah, yeah. But the side character. But I think it's important because we see the very beginning, the first thing he says to Nina is, yo, you want to go to that demonstration? So establish that there. We see in the pool scene 96,000 he's the only one rapping about like advocating for the community mm-hmm. getting them web browsing all that stuff so we already see that he has that sort of bend to it so we already know he's demonstrating we know he's got activist uh sentimentality so those things i think establish it then we also see like he's pushing back against Usnavi to go to the dominican republic and we sort of i mean he explains it as oh i mean this is really my home but you also get a sense that there's something more of why he doesn't want to go. Mm. It's partially because he won't be able to come back. 
Um, so I think those elements, plus the Mark Anthony thing, where, again, they strongly hint at it, but don't necessarily reveal it. So that's all building up to the moment when it does get revealed. And then we also see mm -hmm. how that wraps into his Navi saying where he'll essentially give the money to Sonny in order for him to, mm -hmm. um, you know, go through the process. And I also think they gave, because like you said, this isn't about that struggle yeah. in the community. It's just about the community. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be inauthentic if they didn't mention, like, this is kind of a prominent part about what happens in this community, or at least how our national politics will discuss that community. Um, so I think I they needed to have it in there, but I also wouldn't want it to drown everything else out. So I think uh -huh. the balance they struck, because, I mean, we do have the whole conversation with the lawyer about this is going to be a roller coaster. Nothing's guaranteed, right? Like mm -hmm. it establishes, like yes, this is a difficulty. It's not just going to go away because now we won the lottery. Um, but I think they gave it due respect and attention that it should have in a film that otherwise should be uplifting mm -hmm. and upbeat, and not necessarily about those sort of issues. Okay, so I guess there was a like a decent amount of setup for his character and his character arc. I just maybe feel like when we get to that scene at the protest where we finally find out the truth, it's too, I guess, on the nose for me. It's too much like, here it is. This is it. Because you have this whole subtle buildup and then they just throw it at you. It's just a little too, like, I don't know how they handle that in the play because it's obviously done differently. But I would like to know how they did that in the play. Um well, okay, one thing I know for sure is it's most of Sonny's, like, interaction in the show, you don't really get a good idea of his goals besides 96,000 in the first act. It's all in, like, the second act. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how they do the quote-unquote protest scene or if they do it at all. But, like, all those scenes with, like, the lawyer and the green card and all that, mm -hmm. that's not as important in the stage play. I don't even right. think... Usnavi is trying to convince Sonny to go with him in the stage play. Because mm -hmm. here's well, here's the weird thing. From what a, a fact I do remember is at the very end of the stage play, Usnavi doesn't give all the money to um, Sonny like in the movie. He keeps them for himself. Mm -hmm. So that that that's kind of like a weird relationship thing to me. Because when I watch the movie, I'm like Sonny and Usnavi are really really good like cousins. And, like, they are on the stage play, but they're more, like, brother. Like, they act more like brothers, like, like shut up, Sonny. Like, stop being... Now, he's, not, he's not, like, a brat, but he's more, like, he's smart. Like, a smart-ass kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, he had same goals, but they don't... They do it... They definitely handle it differently. And, again, the lines are different, like I said. So, the relationship in the movie seems a bit more heartwarming to me. Like, he seems like he cares more about Sonny in the movie more than the stage play. But I'm not going to... Just make that mm -hmm. claim. I have to, I'd have to rewatch the end, like the second act mm -hmm. of In the Heights. Yeah. I guess. Uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something about about Sunny. I guess if they had, oh, I know, if they had given him his own musical number, where where like I don't even know if they have it in the play, but if they had, because the whole time we're learning things about people, and most of the time we're learning about it through musical numbers it just seems like they're building up to this thing this whole time and then it was a very quick scene for him to just address such a strong like important topic and then just kind of walk away from it they could have done like a full song for sunny 
he doesn't. It, like, a, like a good two, three minutes long. Like they could have written a new one and given it to him if they're going to build it up like that. And Sonny could have had this whole song with Nina where he talks about being undocumented, what that's like, the struggles with it, and what he's not realizing some of the struggles are. Like getting into college is an issue. And like you don't even have to bring up solutions, just like addressing the topic in a more, I don't know, this is a musical kind of way than having a scene where it's it's mentioned and then kind of like he's upset through the rest of the movie until the very end where he is i guess he has that musical number in carnival de barrio where he just comes out and he's like moody because he's like why are we happy and then it just cuts away from him from singing yeah. anymore he's just talking about how he's unhappy and he doesn't really address it as much they could have given him his own song where he sang about that yeah i am That's- once again disagreeing with you we won't go too much into it but i think the sunny arc the way they had it in this film is really solid i don't know how they would have done it differently because i think that added number that would have been too on the nose and i don't see the necessity of it since at least for me personally the way they structured it already fully worked when it comes to this because i just had a little like epiphany um, like I said in the stage play, it's their relationship isn't as like heartwarming. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have a he doesn't have his own number in the stage play. So yeah. I do kind of agree with Dylan that since it's a bit more heartwarming in the movie, that it would make more sense for a song. But I still agree with you, Ryan, that overall he doesn't need one because of how like he's written and how his character is. Like he has like a short part of ninety six thousand where he shows you what he wants. Same thing in um the big dance number. I don't want to butcher the name. And he has like some small like little rap parts throughout each song but i guess in the movie because they rewrote not rewrote the script but they kind of put a new script in and they made the character more heartwarming and like fun and honestly they made him seem a bit younger too in the uh in the movie i think a num- uh his own song might have helped in the if movie. if they had stuck to that sort of where brothers were sort of bickering a little bit throughout the whole movie and then you could have shown that character development of uznavi like realizing that he is undocumented and then having that that like that like sort of character moment where he puts most of his money towards helping Sonny, that would have been enough for me to be like, that's heartwarming, that is the change. But because they're so close already, it's like I don't know, it, it would have been better for me if there had been a, its own dance number so that there would have been some more of a change to be seen through a character. Because we don't know enough about Sonny initially to see a sort of change in his character overall it's just like in the beginning we don't know he is uh, undocumented and then eventually as the movie goes on we as uznavi learns that he is undocumented and that raises a lot of issues and he sort of learned and sonny sort of learns from that but there isn't like a big enough change because we don't have enough focus on him as a character and that that's kind of stems into the problem of having all these interconnected stories weaving in and out and sort of losing focus of some here and there and it's not like this is not like a big issue for me with the movie there are a lot bigger issues. This one was just <laughs> something that, like, it just sort of, like, bugged me a bit. Yeah. Gotcha. Just to throw out some other favorite moments, Dylan, I agree with you. The club scene was incredible. So, it's very good dancing. Very, very good. Yeah. Sty- it's stylistic. It, like, when you look at John M. Chu's other movies, like, Step It Up 2, or even Crazy Rich Asians, the colors just pop so often. They are there. They are vibrant. They are greens and blues and every color you can think of just standing out and this movie is so drab so much of it that when we get to that club scene it is like a breath of fresh air it's such a relief to just see such saturation in these characters and their faces and their clothes 
is so beautiful. And then to pair that with such fiery dancing, this was a well done scene for me. I really liked it. I agree with the whole color thing too. Like I think they tried to make New York too modern and real, like you mm-hmm. were saying. And another thing that I just thought of, like in the movie, Usnavi wears very gray colors. Yeah. Until, until like the very end, he wears a, like a yellow, like a bright yellow. It's not like that in the stage production. There, it's very bright. He wears a nice, like bright red thing mm-hmm. with his hat, and it's like yeah. super bright. And then when you get to the club scene and uh, Abuela's song, I think that they did that great. I think they yeah. did both very well mm-hmm. done, shot and lighting wise. When it comes when it comes to color, color saturation too. Mm-hmm. I really wish it had, the whole movie had stood out in that way, but say la vie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can appreciate the way they tried to keep it grounded and mm-hmm. a legitimate depiction of yeah, Washington yeah. Heights. I appreciate because I think they filmed it a lot there as well. Uh-huh. So I can appreciate that they didn't want to go too over the top with production design and change it too much. They wanted to represent some of the reality there, but that's right. It makes those moments when they do lean into this realism they do implement those fantastical moments and they saturate the colors and do all that stuff it does make that stand out more and unfortunately by comparison makes the rest uglier yeah it's just certain parts felt like it is a theatrical movie without the theatricality which makes me kind of sad sometimes they just really changed a lot with some lyrics in the script Mm -hmm. when it comes to like this move this movie is such a more heartwarming story than what it originally was written as. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. Yeah. And then the other favorite moment I just wanted to touch on, I mean, we've mentioned a lot already with the whole Abuela death sequence. I thought it was emotionally affecting. And then the actual number she had was both illuminating for her character and then the struggles that people in the Latino community may face and certainly the immigrant story. Uh, and then the follow-up song, Alabanza, I believe is what it was called, mm-hmm. that I also thought where they're all walking down with the can- uh, the candles yeah, illuminated really in the blackout. That, 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 I, oh, that scene was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, all right, and then so some of the least favorite moments, which we've been touching on a lot throughout our review. I did want to mention the Benny and Nina thing, because we haven't mentioned Benny once. I yeah. thought I did not care for his character at all. Mm-hmm. And he's, so the Benny and Nina parts, I just wasn't as invested in as yeah, the rest of it. Yeah, it was a little boring. He's he's written, not even just in the movie, he's just written as, hey, I'm a supporting character that's fun, and I love this girl. Right. He doesn't have much that's aspirations. It. He didn't have any dream. I wrote up yeah. in the thing, I was like, he wants to get a promotion, get with Nina, who's about to move across the country again. Yeah. I didn't know why we were so caught up in his story. I also thought, the them going on the the building dancing on the building Mm -hmm. in the trailers i was like "Ooh, that's gonna be a fire moment that's gonna be great i didn't care for it at all i wish (laughs) they would have cut out that scene entirely in the film to be honest because i I like the song song. it stalled everything no i hated the song i thought the moment was worthless because why do we need it it just dragged everything oh they didn't build the relationship enough enough. well listen there's another thing where they do differently in the Uh movie they already had a past relationship in well, the they do. music, oh, they no, in the musical, they never did. They never had a relationship in the musical. They knew each other, but they never, they never dated before. That would have made it more exciting. That would have definitely raised the stakes because it's like that sort of first relationship, kind of like Uznavi has with Vanessa. It feels like it does feel like awkward between Benny and Nina, just a little bit like, ooh, we dated once. Are we gonna do it again? And then they just kind of like dance with that the whole time. And at the very end, 
they're just dating again. And, and then also just, not because she's leaving. Yeah. I mean, they just have that dance and that kiss. And it's just like they could have, like, flirt, made that a little bit more flirtatious, a little bit more, mm-hmm. maybe care a little bit more. I didn't really care about their relationship yeah. too much. That's it was a little boring. Is so it? that dance scene did not stick the landing because they did not set it up properly. I like the idea of having them dance on the wall. I think that is a fun way to take a, a musical moment and apply it to movies and do something original. I think that would be fun. I think they sort of stepped on, tripped over their own foot on that with the setup and with the sort of the way that that dancing was shot because it just kind of looked a little weird. But I like the idea and I like the originality and the drive of that decision. The kid still ruined it for me, I'll be honest. The kid in the window. I just don't get why that was needed. It, why do you? Why are you going to cut away from a romantic moment for a laugh? Like, why would you? It just—it's like you're building me up to a big romantic moment, and then you just cut away, and it, it, it like spoils it, like ruins it completely. What a horrible yeah. choice! All right, and then one other thing I want to mention. So, Dylan, I'm asking you specifically. Yes. Why did Uznavi stay? My interpretation. My interpretation was he realized that going to the Dominican Republic he's just I don't know. So, um, well, the first problem is he can't is articulate it, which is yes. not good because that's the core it's of the It's not film. super clear. It's a surprise. So here's what I think they were making it in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, partially it is the Vanessa connection. Yes. Which okay. I well, just yes. think is immensely stupid she shows him the dress with the drop cloth paint splatter on it which honey if you're trying to become a fashion designer and you're it's picking an that up, you gotta yeah. you gotta find a new dream because that's very basic out. yeah that drop cloth looked like shit it did it looked so stupid i was like that that's how you see the world through those eyes i would have ran if i, I would have said i'm on the plane now if i was using navi it looks like, like someone took a cheetah and then just like beat it bloody. It was just disgusting. <laughs> Gave it some color. Yeah. It was so talk bad. about drab. <sighs> For real. Talk about so, lack of color. I couldn't believe that because then he goes, "You did all this last night," which I think was referring to the community thing. Like, oh wow, they went out of their way to do this. But I can understand that for the mural for painting the beach on the thing. All she mm-hmm. did was, "Hey, look at me making this dress. Isn't that yeah. wonderful for me?" Like, what does that do for Uznami? I mean, again, wanna, I guess the whole, this is how I see the world. I mean, again, I guess her character me. arc is like, she wants to try and get away, but in reality, the community and the Washington Heights is what gave her creativity, is what inspired her. And I guess if I had to try and make a connection, is him realizing that the importance of Washington Heights through her connection to it. Because like she she picked out, she made that dress using ele- using elements from Washington Heights. And so I guess he's like realizing the importance of it and realizing the 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 weight he's putting on the Dominican Republic is exaggerated as opposed to what it really is. So I guess that's just what they were trying to go for, but they did not stick that landing enough because they did not develop the whole, oh, Vanessa is connected to Washington Heights creative, creatively. Like they did not stick that lesson really because she doesn't, she doesn't like openly say, like, you don't have to be, like, hammy about it, like, I'm nothing without Washington Heights, but, like, at least mention that as being a factor of why you're so creative. Like, they don't even mention that. It's very heavily implied that she makes that realization, but it's too heavily implied and not really talked about at all. 
And so it doesn't stick the landing, the whole idea of him realizing that importance of Washington Heights, which kind of sucks. Well, right. the, the end. One, you want to know something about that, though? That's yeah. also different from Hold the musical. On, what Stop, before you say that, though, All right, go before ahead. you give us the answer, because I suspected that was maybe something different in the play. Mm-hmm. But I also, in the lyrics to Usnavi's song, like after he says, all right, I'm staying, they talk about how he mentions, okay, so these are the stories that happen in the Heights. Some have happy endings. Some are bittersweet but I know them all and that makes my life complete. He says that. And then he also Art. mentions being the corner. So yeah, thanks John. <laughs> mentions the corner store. Um, like he's the streetlight on the corner, which is a callback to the opening number where he also said that. And that was him expressing sort of disdain. I mean, not disdain, but frustration at being locked into this space and not mm-hmm. being able to go home. But then now he's realizing, oh, because I am such an essential element of this community, where everyone passes by and I'm entangled with all these other people's lives, that is what is making him stay. Like he is realizing, like you said, like I already found my island, I'm home. So he's in that way, thematically sort of adopting Abuela's role mm-hmm. of being the person that's holding up. What did they say in the movie exactly? Like she inherited everyone else's uh, serenitos. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So now he's essentially taking on that role. Like he's being that pillar of the community um, who's being involved in everyone else's lives and Mm -hmm. supporting them in their chasing of their dreams. So I thought that was like, I think that's what they were going for. Because again, in the lyrics, that's what he's saying. And he even says something about, right, the birds to wherever she was from. And they mention Abuela a couple of times in there. So I was like, that's really incredible. Like him evolving into that role and realizing that, oh, this is his home. Like he can be the new abuela and mm-hmm. do the whole thing of who, lives, who dies, who tells your stories mm-hmm. from Hamilton. Oh, Essentially Hamilton. that thing in, in the Heights where he's like, okay, this is where I can be and be happy and be with my mm-hmm. community. But it's just like abuela. to make that jump. Yeah. Because they did not involve that like properly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Which yeah, exactly is why they had to pivot. I'm guessing to the Vanessa thing and make that like the central reason. Like that's the mm. starting well, point. Well, Ryan, and I you're just right. Don't think that yeah, you're up. right about that. Hit us up, Sean. What is the truth? So really quick, uh, Ryan's actually pretty much right in what I think too. Because remember at the very beginning, he's like at the Dominican Republic telling the kids these stories, right. and then yeah, it, the at the very end, you see what happens. So in the actual stage play. First of all, Vanessa does not have this big of a factor in making him stay. But the real reason that makes him stay is the mural he sees is not of the Dominican Republic, it's of his abuela, and he's by himself. Yes, he he is convinced kind of like the same way, but just there's not as big as an impact from Vanessa. It's more like the mural of his grandma he sees, as of his abuela he sees, that, that, that's the reason he stays. I don't remember the exact lyrics or dialogue that were said in the play that was like, yeah, I'm going to stay. But because of what they did in the movie, that's why this happened at the end. And that's his reason for staying. So it's very, it's very different at the end. But Brian, I really thought you, I thought you were very accurate in what you were saying there with, Sean, with the movie version. What, what, when in the play does Abuela die? Like at what point? Abuela dies... Okay, she still, 
She okay. Her song, Prencia y Fe, is actually before mm. Blackout in this okay. in this in the stage play. And it's not that's not a memento of her dying. It's still her recollecting mm. and all that. So the song still makes sense, but she doesn't die right after it. In yes. the in the um thing, Blackout still has so Prencia y Fe is after ninety six thousand. And then it has like mm. three more songs and then it's blackout. Mm. She doesn't die until she actually has a duet with Usnavi called A Hundred of Stories. I believe that's, that's good. A, I believe that's what it's called. That was kind. Yes. It's called Hundreds of Stories. And that's that has to do with them. And around there is um yes. Around there is when she passes away. And that is at what point like what is the song that like is right after that song? Um it, this is near the like beginning of act two okay so it's not like super late but it's okay. not right after blackout like i guess it is because there's also not like a big as a time jump in the stage play. this this all takes place in like three days in the stage play three four days so there's enough time for like the audience to get used to her being gone and mourn her death and like be mm-hmm. sad and then have that emotional like yeah kickback when you see her in the mural which would have been such a better idea than just painting a beach and showing an ugly ass dress that would have been a much better like even if they didn't set that up with like uh, it would have been such a better idea like i don't know why they just got rid of the mural like there's no like story reason for them to get rid of that mural of of abuela like what what is the thought process to just make it his father's beach like, yeah. why would they not put a boiler? Like, there, there's it's because, no difference. It's because between of what they added. Out. It's because they added that whole little thing at the beginning where he's, where he's at the Dominican Republic. So it makes the story seem more, like, connected at that point. Yeah, but you could have put a little abuela just standing on the beach. Like, just at the very least. Like, God, what? it's such better storytelling to have it end with him, like, seeing abuela and then having that realization that he has to take on that responsibility and be the cornerstone and be, like, the foundation for this community. Otherwise, it's gone. Like, that's such a better... That's such a better way to tell the story. It's such a stronger way to end it. And it's a more convincing thing for me as an audience audience member to like see his progression as a character. And it's infuriating to me that they changed that to just a beach. And here's the thing. It'd be even better. Like the framing device of him being on the beach, that still works if it's the Abuela mural. And so does the time skip because it doesn't make sense after a month of being away because it was a month, right? Yeah. Of Vanessa and Usnavi because she was already gone at that point. Mm-hmm. So they For don't interact at all. So a month that happened. So why would, I mean, the flame would have died out. But I, yeah. with Abuela, it would show that the community is still mourning her, still loving Abuela. And so it rushes into him saying, wow, this is how important she was in the community. We need someone to take yeah. on that role. That yeah. needs to be me. And you still have the reveal with the beach framing device, but you still get the better way to tie up the story arc for him and abuela and the whole community why didn't they do that well there's one more thing i want to share about that actually yes with the the musical it's actually a bit more hard-hitting about her death because you know albanza the song like that they all sing about her death right Mm -hmm. so in the musical when act two starts there's a song uh with uh nina and benny whatever and then hundreds of stories that after that song is when she dies, and then they do Carnival de Bar- Bar- Barrio. So there's there's like there's like scenes that happen after that. So people don't know she's dead yet at this point. 
after that is a song called Atención that brings attention to what's happened. And then after that is Albanza, which, where they have that Muriel death for her. And then after that, it goes back to um, everything I know in Champagne. So they don't even find out about her death until halfway through Act 2, besides um, Usnavi, I believe. Yeah, I think the change is really weak in the movie when you're when you're like describing to me the order of the songs and like the mm -hmm. way that it's structured as a story i feel like it's done much better in the play and i feel like the changes they made just so that they could fit a time crunch of some sort mm -hmm. it definitely yeah. weakened the film as a whole when you when you listen to like the album too since you've now seen the movie mm -hmm. even the songs you don't know you'll still know the order of events just differently because you'll yeah. know, like you saw the movie, you know what happens. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, you'll see, you'll see how it unfolds. I feel you can picture it just a lot better, like how it would look mm -hmm. as a stage production. Because I know, like you both said, you both like movie musicals. I don't. Mm -hmm. You also don't hate musicals. I know, you like Wicked, like Book of Mormon, oh, Spring Break. So, it's great yeah. musicals. Any final thoughts on In the Heights? In the Heights. Um. Oh. Oh, we forgot to talk about Lin Manuel Miranda being in it. Oh, <laughs> he put out Piragua guy. <laughs> Wait, I, I loved his song. I loved his song Piragua. because it was just it was just him annoying the shit out of people for like a minute and a half, <laughs> and it was just him doing that. And that's his entire role in the movie, other than a few moments and a couple other songs. Piragua. It's so great, and the guy. I didn't know it because I Mr. Softy. Yeah, Mr. Softy is What's Chris George Washington. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know it because I recognized him and I was like, I know this man from somewhere, and I George didn't Washington. see him until after. He's he's it's so funny that he's there. God, that it's such a good song just to watch yeah. him just be so obnoxious. He pours <laughs> he pours the 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 cherry drink on like an ice cream cone of a child <laughs> and just ruins that child's day, and is singing a happy song. Like, what a dick. That was funny. Yeah. They had a post-credit scene yep, of him it. doing that. It was the follow-up to him and Mr. Softy's story. Oh, God damn you it. Know, I walked it. out. God damn it. Uh, it's on HBO Max. I can watch it. Yeah, right it's now. it's not like a big thing. It's just a really funny thing because it's obviously Lin-Manuel and his like best friend, Chris Jackson, mm -hmm. who he's cast in every single one of his shows. Like, yeah. he was ben he's the original Benny. So Really? Yeah, Chris Jackson's the original Benny. When you listen to the track, you'll hear Washington and Benny. Okay. And all... And I love Corey Hawkins. I don't think he's bad. Mm -hmm. But Chris Jackson's got some like swagger thing to him. Like um, I was watching an interview, like an old one for the musical uh, and how he like wrote some of the songs. Um, and Lin-Manuel, because of some of like uh, Chris Jackson's like go to words, like mannerisms, he wrote some words in the in the songs for him. Like, there's parts where he's, like, all the yo's and, like, some other th Oh, what is it? For real, though. You know, in 90s, he's like, for real, though. That's because Chris Jackson kept saying, he kept, they kept saying that for his character. He wrote it in the song for him. So, like, the song's kind of more associated with Chris Jackson. It's really cool. That's cool. That is. All right. What will be your rating out of five Swinitos? How many <laughs> Swinito. are you giving to In the Heights? Let's go with four. Dylan gives it a four. Sean. I agree. I'm going to give it a four, but also I give it a four because I I compare it to other movie musicals, and there are so, so many disappointing ones. This one mm -hmm. did me a favor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised 
Dylan, you gave it a four. I mean, the way you've been. I was dancing at the very end of the movie. I was thinking, is this a three and a half or is this a four? And I was really dancing between which ones, which, which ones, which. And I remember giving the Falcon and the Winter Soldier a three and a half. <laughs> and I remember thinking this is slightly better than that. See, now we have benchmarks that we can compare to. And then, yeah, and then, and then I was thinking, you know, a four would be like a B. It would be an eighty. That's the highest I would go. I would never give it more than a. a I agree. Minus. I agree with Dylan. And, but it wasn't like there were still parts that I enjoyed. And there's definitely parts that I would go back and rewatch, like YouTube different scenes, like the club scene and things like that, and the uh, Boyle song. I would definitely go back and just rewatch those because I think they're beautiful. But as a movie overall, it was not my favorite. That star that it's missing for me is just that little bit of deeper, more emotional movie storytelling, more thought into the way you're making this into a movie. Transferring that from play form to movie form, it's just it did not do very good at it. Mm-hmm. as a writer's perspective. It didn't do very good from a filmmaker's perspective. It did not do good from a colorist's perspective. I just, I wish they had like just thought about it a bit more, thought a bit more deeper into it rather than just thinking, let's take a camera, let's point it at some people dancing, let's get some <laughs> really good choreographers in there to dance. It's just there were certain things where they could have put deeper thought into, and it feels like it's unbalanced in where they put that deeper thought. And I felt like if they had balanced it a bit better, it would have been more cohesive. So there's that star. And after all that, he's giving it a four out of five. Yes. What's pretty positive so the amount of sweetenitos that i will give it i think in the long term grand scheme of things it will end up at a four but mm-hmm. for right now you saw me dancing this whole way because <laughs> i keep having carnival de barrio playing in my head mm-hmm. and it just makes me happy so i'm gonna give it a 4.5 for right now all right for all the reasons i said i mean i generally enjoyed it more than you guys did and i didn't have mm-hmm. The Broadway oh, I, I loved it. I mean, yeah, I love the movie. Good. It's just oh, I didn't love it. Did have <laughs> did have I genuinely loved it because of just all the movie musicals they tried to do and they missed the mark so much. And they did it. They did this one with original mm-hmm. people, obviously not the writers, but original people. And they did. They still told the story and kept like the idea of it. I'm I'm happy with it especially with the West Side Story coming out and then the, uh-huh. another, there's, not, there's another Cinderella coming out and Dear Evan Hansen, like, mm. oh, I'm not excited for any of these. See, you're you're framing it and you're comparing it to like the bad movie musicals like The Prom and Into the Woods and things like that. But I keep thinking of it in terms of like the really good movie musicals. Like to me, that's that's Little Shop of Horrors. That's yes. Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's uh, West Side Story. Sweeney Todd is amazing. Sweeney Todd is fantastic. And I, I like the whole time I'm comparing it to these movies and I'm like, it does not match up mm-hmm. enough. Like it does not reach that sort of, well, heights is the word I'm looking for here. It does not hit that at all, which is sad. That's fair though. I I, I agree. I do think those are better than mm-hmm. In the Heights, but I just, I wasn't hyped for In the Heights. Mm-hmm. And I, I was surprised on how well not like well they executed but how much i like i did enjoy it i was surprised i've never actually seen the stage production i guarantee if i sat in a theater on broadway and they had a production i'd be jamming out way more than i did in the movie theater i mean of course of course and you also you can say that about any musical i mean it's always gonna be better live Mm -hmm. for a musical yeah i thought they did a, a pretty good job with just what i've seen that's bad but i agree with you dylan little shop sweeney todd they all they all did they did great with those fabulous movies. Ugh. 
so good. Yeah, I think that's everything. I think we covered everything for In the Heights. I think we've wrapped up a nice little bow around four, four and a half. So, I mean, that's an uptick for the recent movie musicals. It's better than anything with James Corden in it. I mean, agreed. You had so to another one in there. Now we've got our movie of the week. Our movie of the week is Network. It was released in 1976. It was directed by Cindy Lumet, who is one of my favorite filmmakers. It was written by. You put Peter Chayefsky, but I don't think Peter is correct. God it's Patty, it. it's Patty Chayefsky, is that is it not? Yes, it is. <laughs> Peter, yeah, it's Patty Chayefsky, and he won an Oscar for best screenplay. He's a great screenwriter. Uh, we're making Network our movie of the week in honor of Ned Beatty, who passed away. If I had my choice, we would have put Deliverance, just because I think Deliverance is such. That's what a, I thought y'all did. <laughs> what a movie Deliverance is. What a what a fascinating exploration into rednecks and <laughs> canoeing. What a and sawed off shotguns. What a what an experience. If you have not seen Deliverance, our our I guess unofficial movie of the week. I, mean, I yeah, recommend you go a lot see about it. it. Well, I have not finished Network, so I'm going to let you talk about Network and why you like it and why it is actually our movie of the week because it is technically a better movie. I'll give it that. But Deliverance is so much more fun. Yeah. Sean, you had the little playbill thing. Of yes. They the made it to network. a stage play starring <laughs> Brian Cranston, who won a Tony for his performance in it. Good for and him. it apparently was great. As a stage adaptation, it was great. So this is reverse in the heights. Apparently, the movie's probably still better. Like, come on. It's it's a Oscar-winning movie in, that came out in the 70s. You said 76? Yeah. Yeah. This was this was like 2017, 18. They did network as a mm. stage play, so you can't take away from originals, in my opinion. Yeah, so, I, I heard it was good. Yeah, all you really need to know about this movie, like if you watch the Ned Beatty scene, like his particular monologue, mm. just watching that should sell you on the movie because that's mm. what it is for the rest of it. I mean, it's yeah. one of the most impeccable satires ever, mm. and it describes in truly tragic because it became so prophetic the way that network the 24-hour news cycle how that stuff is run and driven and it's obviously not on any ethical basis it's on just outrage and stirring more of it and there's another great monologue that um what is his name who's the guy that plays it? peter finn peter finch peter yeah finch, yeah who also he won gets, an Oscar. Yeah. So didn't this maybe not, but is this one of the movies that won like all the actors won something? They were all nominated. I think Peter Finch is the only one that won. Faye Dunaway also won and Beatrice Strait also I'm wrong. It's Peter Finch, Faye Dunaway, and Beatrice Strait. So three oh, of they the got four three actors won. Yeah. Three William Holden was so not close. and Ned Beatty were both nominated, but neither of them won. Dang. Ned so Beatty's close. great though in this movie. Is so yeah. I mean, again, just listening to the awards it has made and being turned into a stage play that also mm-hmm. won awards. You clearly cannot go wrong with this film. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Give Network a watch. Yep. And if you ever read a book about making movies, read Sidney Lumet's book called Making Movies. It is the best book I've ever read about filmmaking. So if you ever are interested in learning more about the filmmaking process, what the thought process is behind a filmmaker as he goes through. 
because what it is is basically Sidney Umet is telling his process one by one through each stage of production and he was also writing it while he was making a movie so he's citing that movie a lot as he's making it and so it's just like an insight into the thought process of a really talented filmmaker and it's just so fascinating to read and it's very well written book of the week there you book go. of the week book of the week <laughs> yeah all right that's all the time we have if you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week you can email us at the box office show at d at gmail.com <laughs> dmail dmail <laughs> Our main, I know you try to insert yourself in there. Our main title theme for this show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have a great show. I'd like to thank Sean Tormey for being here. If you want to hear more about or more from Sean Tormey, you can go to his podcast, Average Films (laughs) for Average Joes. Where can they listen to that, Sean? Uh, We're on Spotify. We're, I believe, we're on Apple Music now. It took us a bit to do that. we're going to get back to recording soon, hopefully. It's been a minute because they're all different areas, and yeah. I am too. So, And I'll probably bring this recording style to them so we mm. can start recording again. The Zencaster thing, yeah. Zen yeah, yeah. Remote. yeah. We, I kept telling them, like, let's let's record. And they're like, yeah, we should. We'll figure it out. And we haven't figured it out yet. Okay. This, <laughs> so is, this, will help. this has been a great software because we tried to use Zoom. We thought about using Zoom, and it just would have been such a bad idea. And so I just Googled remote podcasting service and this just came up. Zencaster. It's, cool. it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you, Sean, for coming out. Thank, thank you guys for participating. We had a lot of fun talking to you about musicals, specifically in the Heights and giving your input. Yes. Thank uh, you so much. Thanks guys. We, Anytime. We would love to have you on another time. Yeah. When Dear Evan Hansen I'll... comes out. Oh my God. Or Tick, oh God, Tick, no. Boom. Well, West Side Story is tick, next. Hold on. West Side Story. Or West Side or... Story. Yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom is Tick tick do boom would be more fun because then we could actually say positive things. Oh yeah, I think oh, that's oh. gonna be a great film. I think it's gonna be a great adaptation because it makes sense for a film as well. It's just following someone's life and like struggling with his career mm-hmm. and his passion with norms. At the very least, I think it will be better than West Side Story and Sierra yes. Vanhansen. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have. See you guys next week.